0: Are you the kind of gal who isn't interested in how things used to be in the hair industry, who wants to hear from ladies who are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. All right. So today we have Michelle Malia on the show. She's a conscious hairstylist, hair mentor, providing self-care education for hairstylists. She is helping hairdressing by supporting the people in the industry. Michelle is based in Australia, and I'm so pumped to connect with her today. Welcome to the show, Michelle.
1: Good morning for you guys over there.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so awesome to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm really
1: excited about this conversation. I feel very grateful that you've um, wanted to have me on the podcast. I love listening to it, so I'm very grateful to get to chat to you on it.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. And so can you tell us, I mean, I, I was just drawn to your page on Instagram because you were talking a lot about the stuff that people that I have on the show talk about. And so I would love for you to share with everyone a little bit about your journey to uh, today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I've been hairdressing now for
1: 10 years. Um, and it's, it's actually, the story goes way before that because my mum and my sister are also hairdressers. And, um, what's funny about the fact that I ended up being one and loving it so much is that when I was growing up, I had this perception and there was this societal perception that being a hairdresser was a little bit of a dropout job. I don't know if that's like that in the US, but over here for a while, it was a little bit like that. And, um. So when I was growing up, I wanted to do or be absolutely anything except a hairdresser. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to study more or just be something at the time that I thought would be bigger than a hairdresser. And um, my sister got me a job in the salon that she was working at as a salon hand from the age of like 15 right through till, you know, the end of high school when I started my apprenticeship. Um, And so I started the apprenticeship unwillingly. But I, I was encouraged by my boss. So I thought I'll give this a go. And um, I actually hated it. I absolutely hated it for the first like six months. And I thought, what the hell am I doing here? And then I went overseas with my fam. And when I came back, I was actually ready to quit. And my boss sat me down and gave me some really good advice and said to put my all into it before I leave. And so I did. And then I actually fell in love with it. Um, and the turning point for me was when I actually realized what hairdressing is all about. And it's, you know, to me, that was about creating beautiful hair, but also connecting with so many different people and playing a really interesting, special role in their lives. And so that's what I fell in love with. So getting to this point now, 10 years down the track where I want to help the help hairdressers or help the hairdressing industry, um, in the realm of self-care came from some really dark times in my career. And I've heard that you speak about, you know, having hardship with burnout and things like that as well. So, yes. you know, through throughout my apprenticeship, you work really hard. It's like blood, sweat and tears. And I mean every single one of those. A blood from cutting my fingers at every training session. Oh. And the tears after every training session and all the sweat in between, And um, I found that keeping up with how social and hard working and high demand our job is and then trying to keep up with being 19, 20, having a social life, the balance was just so out of whack and um, I would crash and burn often. And so burnout became a really common trait in my earlier years of my career And it wasn't just, you know, um, physical burnout, it was emotional burnout and mental burnout as well. And that came from, you know, not really being able to cope with all the interactions that we have day to day. And from that kind of space, I started getting some pretty crappy habits um, that would filter into my work life and then my personal life, not eating properly, relying heavily on, Uh, coffee and sugar to get me through and then not being able to sleep at night Um, and, you know, it got extreme. It was like car accidents, losing my licence, being really forgetful, double booking things with friends or being a flaky friend. All these crappy cycles started coming out of um, me not being able to handle the workload. And so that sort of got me to a breaking point where I realized I needed some kind of help. And um, pretty quickly, I I worked out that in the hairdressing industry, there's not a lot of support or awareness um, or tools around self-care or actually managing everything that we do. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of guidance in that realm. So it it came to me pretty early on that I could see this gap between the hairdressing industry and everything it involves and the self-care for the actual person behind the chair. So I've had this idea of trying to create some kind of tools or support for myself and others for a long time, um, but I was probably too scared to do anything about it. And then going on my own journey with seeing um, a kinesiologist and counsellors and experimenting with meditation, yoga, and reading self-help books, all of that really helped me to find the tools that I needed. To cope a lot better with hairdressing, and so fast forward to where I'm at now, I actually now work part time. Um, I I actually study kinesiology because I've fallen that much in love with how much it helped me, Um, and I've you know gained this tool tool toolkit or tool belt with all of these little um, pointers that have helped me along the way, and so those cycles of extreme burnout, um, mental fatigue, emotional fatigue, a few and further in between compared to what it used to be and I now love hairdressing again so much more than I ever did Um, and more so than that, I'm able to cope a lot more than I was, you know, going back. So the journey has been one of awakening my craft and elevating my craft but also myself.
0: So that's where I'm at today. I love that. Yeah. So when you say, yeah, when you were saying you feel like you didn't have the skill set to cope with the amount of interactions you were having, what became like the hardest part about those interactions? Was it the information people were sharing? Was it just the sheer uh, quantity of people coming at you? What was that? Um,
1: I think it was a combination. I'm quite an empathic being and I've always been um, very interested in listening to people and holding space and naturally um, naturally people in all areas of my life just pour their heart out to me and I'm, I'm I feel very grateful for that. although in the beginning that became very overwhelming. So I found that most clients in my chair um, were pouring their heart out to me and the information coming at me was a lot to deal with, especially at such a young age. Um, and the um, the workload, the amount of interactions that you have in your day-to-day, um, and just trying to cope with, you know, as hairdressers, we're not just doing hair, we're multitasking a million things, we're time-bending and holding a conversation and thinking about our formula and making sure our sections are correct and making sure our next client is tended to or you know, there's so many things going on at the one time, and I think that's what's, that's the strength that hairdressers have, our superpower, um, but it's quite exhausting.
0: Yeah. No, it definitely is, and I feel like you touched on a lot of it, and I think that a lot of, like most hairdressers are really empathic people, and it's what makes you so good at your job, but then I feel like I've been saying for a while, it's also the thing that might kill you. <laughs> because one of my clients moved downtown and she said, yeah, she's like, my friend went to the salon I go to. And she just said, they don't care. Like Lindsay cares. Like they don't care. And I'm like, (laughs) it's going to kill Lindsay, but she cares. And so it's, it's really like a cool thing that you touched on about like, like having some sort of like energetic boundaries with the information you're taking in and like what does that look like for you in this like new part of your career as far as like are you seeing, is it is it a combination of like seeing fewer people, having, you know, less juggling or what is, or just better um, boundaries and skills or what would you say has been like a huge um, shift for you?
1: Yeah, um, I, f- I feel like I definitely can relate to the,
0: it's going to kill me, <laughs> but I care so much. <laughs>
1: I've been one of those people in my life. It's like you need an arm, sure. I chop off my arm. I've got another one. Here, yeah, I cut. I cut
0: hair with the right arm, so it's fine. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and I think if you're if you are that person, one of the biggest lessons, well, you know, in one of the biggest lessons becomes um, those having those healthy boundaries and knowing, you know, what's appropriate, how much is appropriate to give, and also understanding that you've got to fill your own bucket too. So, how I've sort of translated that into my work, I mean, it's an ongoing, it's definitely an ongoing lesson for me um, because I have a big heart and I do love to give. And some days um, I've got better boundaries than others. Um, What has worked is uh, firstly, knowing what my job actually is about. You know, even though I love to go a bit deeper with my clients or my craft. Um, we are there to do hair and translate what people want to see and, you know, help them to feel good. Um, and it's okay to know that we are not actually psychologists. <laughs> we're not therapists and that's important to know. Um, another sort of physical or visualising, visualising a space between myself and the client, you know, some people put themselves in a protective bubble some people visualise the energetic cords or just the space in between. Um, and so visualising the separation between my client and myself um, has been really helpful. And then it's, it's um, a big one which is probably a little more personal than it is to do with hairdressing, but it was sort of knowing that um, I'm not here to help or save everyone or fix everyone or fix everybody's problems. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. You're like, oh, i have got to try and do something. Yeah, no, everything you
0: just said was like, yep, that helps me. Yep, that helps me. Yep. (laughs) Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Like, it has been such a gift to remember that I'm doing hair. And I think that I lost sight of that for a while. And I think that I was using it as a way to fill my worth cup or whatever, or tank. And I feel like it felt good to like, be that person that people were like, yeah, you. what would Lindsay do? Like, I want to get a bracelet that says that. And I'm like, yeah, get one. And now it's mm-hmm. like, there is no glory in that like I had, and I want it. And I think I am like a spiritual person, you know, things like that. But I think that it has been a huge weight off my shoulders to And I think that Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if part of that is exactly what you said at the beginning, where like, we are made to feel like being hairstylists, even though it was my first choice, that it's a second, third choice career path for people. And I wonder if it plays a role in how much value we try and bring, because we're trying to be like, I don't just do hair. (laughs) All these people think I just do hair. And I want to just like sing from the hilltops. I just do hair. So I wonder if it is just yeah. something that kind of happens again, like subconsciously because we have been made to feel a little bit and we perpetuate it or we kind of go over, overextend ourselves to defy that stereotype. But I'm kind of sitting back now going, I just do a hair.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, I feel like I've worked with um, a lot of great dresses. Who are there to just, to essentially just do hair and have great connection with people. And, you know, they don't seem to have, they haven't seemed to have that heavier load of the emotional baggage. But I feel like our industry also um, attracts a lot yeah. of empathetic people. Um, it attracts a lot of, um, you know, people who, yeah, just have big hearts or want to help or, you know, care about taking care of other people. So for those, um, hairdressers, I feel that it is important that we start to extend or exchange some ideas about how we can um, defrag after a day and disconnect or, um, you know, support ourselves throughout the day before we start work. You know, I really feel like it's time to shed a light on those areas because there are a lot of amazing, loving, empathetic um, hairdressers out there or people in the service industry. You know, it's not just in ours, it's in the nursing industry or, you know, so many other so many other areas. One of the other things that helped me was when I I actually decided to start um, studying kinesiology, which is a stress management therapy. It's quite holistic. And um, I sort of came to that point where I realised a lot of my workload is helping people emotionally and doing hair, and they're very different things. So I need to find a way to uh, nurture that side of myself but separate it Um, from hairdressing because they are two different things. So that was, that was a big turning point for me when I decided to drop down to part-time and be brave and try something new and study for the first time since I left, you know, since I finished school. And
0: yeah, I think that I want to touch on something that like, I sometimes have felt like when other people, before I like went on this journey of the last two years, that when other people did something with hair that they weren't serious about hair. And I think that that has shifted for me. And I've definitely had listeners and people say to me like, Hey, I'm starting to do physical therapy, or I'm starting to go into personal training and I'm going to work at the salon part time. And I feel like that has really shifted my perspective on people being serious about hair because it's so cool to learn something new and it can reinvigorate your work behind the chair, but it doesn't need to be the only thing that you do, which is like a reframing that I've had to do.
1: Yeah. Okay. So is that like some of the other things of one being this podcast and you've got other passion projects that you found that's ticking that
0: box for you? Yeah, for sure. And I think that I passed a lot of judgment on people for not just doing hair in the past. Like when I was like, grind, mm-hmm. grind, grind, I'm like, do you, are you not into this? Cause if you're not into this, you should just be done. And now that's <laughs> not my attitude at all. <laughs> Like, it's just funny, like, just to think about how it's actually super inspiring to me now to see people that are reaching for something else, but along with still doing hair in a capacity that works for them. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely important to still, still have your heart in it.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's the thing. I think that I assumed that their hearts weren't in it because they had other passions. And I think that that was a limiting belief of mine that I couldn't have other passions, even if it's under the umbrella of like hairstylist, but that I couldn't have other passions and still be really into hair. And that's not true at all.
1: Mm, That's cool. That's that you've had that, you know, there's been a bit
0: of movement in that.
1: Yeah. In that belief. And it's obviously allowed you to do some extra things as well.
0: Yeah. So, what does your schedule look like in the salon now? For someone who's listening, and going like, "Oh my god, I would love to like get into X, Y, and Z."
1: Um, well, so I worked like most of us, you know, five five days plus all the extra hours for about um, six six or seven years, and then um, I dropped to part time, which was three days. And that's where I'm at now. So I'm at an amazing salon um, called Organica and they have been I've only been there for a year and a half now, amazingly flexible and supportive. And sometimes my classes run from Thursday to Sunday, sometimes they run Saturday through to Monday. And so mainly I'm three days at the salon. I do Wednesday through till Friday, one Saturday a month. Um, but if I need to sort of move that around because of my classes, um Yeah, the guys that I work for are amazing and very flexible. So they, yeah, they've accommodated a lot. So, um, yes, that's what it looks like. So sometimes I could be working three days and then at school four days straight and I have to um, make sure that I've booked in some time off.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you have a quote that I saw that you wrote about. It was years into my career before I even considered my own needs. Yeah, and so what is, what have your needs been that you've like learned about? Like, what are some of the, maybe the rituals or things that you do that have helped you, like Mm -hmm. you said, to be able to really like enjoy your work. And like, I, I totally identify with like, not, not knowing you even had your own needs and then the journey to finding them. And so what has that been like for you? Yeah, it's, um,
1: Yeah, when I when I sort of say it actually smacked me in the face when I when I wrote that out. Oh yeah, shit! It was actually so long before I even realised I need to take care of myself at work. I, you know, there's such a strong work ethic that we've got in our culture here and in my family as well. I just sort of started rocking up to work, and this is what you do: you just work hard and sweat it out, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, work comes first. And so after so many different. Um, episodes of burning out and just feeling like crap and then resenting my work and sooner or later you're going to get tired of that and so that question or asking myself what my needs are was really about okay so how do I fuel myself my workload is huge I can't change that right now the energy I need to bring to this space is huge how do I uh how do I prepare for that how do I cultivate that energy and what do I do after work so that I don't feel so bummed out? Um, and the, one of the first things was uh, food. On my page I t- I've mentioned a few times like few, looking at food as fuel and that's a really important one for me because um, food wasn't looked at as fuel. I was just kind of, you know, the important part of my day and I would have really crappy habits. I would never eat breakfast. I'd be rushing to work, smash a coffee and something sweet, muffin, and then I wouldn't eat for hours until my lunch break. Then if I I missed my lunch break, you know, you're not eating again, having another coffee, all of that. So looking at the way that I actually fuel myself through food. So I, you know, started going, okay, I need to prep breakfast I need to actually make my lunch beforehand and get organized. And that was a huge help um, because I would feel so much better. I actually had gas in the tank.
0: (laughs) I know. It's crazy. Like when I started putting lunches in, I was like, oh, my gosh. It's like you refuel for the second part of your day. And I'm like years went by, like where I'm like, "Eh, eat. eh." Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You kind (laughs) of
1: just go up this extra. I don't know where the energy comes from. But you just do it, and then, you know, you wonder why at the end of the week you're flat. So um, definitely looking at um, food as fuel and prepping and getting excited about um, what I would pack for lunch. And I'm not into, like, I'm not really into diets and things. I have If it looks colourful and I'm excited about it, I'm going to eat it. That's essentially how I make my meals. <laughs> um. So that was one. And the the second, probably most important was how do I unwind after work? So I'm someone that, you know, being an empath, like I said, I can absorb people's energy. I can be thinking about that haircut, that section, did I do it right? That person, I hope they felt better. And my work would come into my life for hours after I would leave, if that makes sense. Yeah, and so one of my main needs was switching off, learning how to actually disconnect from my clients, disconnect from the day, and switch off from work. And that's that was challenging. Sometimes it still is challenging. Um, but there, there are many ways I do it. Like one of the easiest ways that works so well for me now is coming home from work. I. Sometimes I sit in my car for 10 minutes and I'll do some kind of meditation or just close my eyes and breathe slowly and just feel where my body's at. And usually I'm buzzing and radiating and I just try to calm myself down a little. Then I jump out of my car and I love taking my shoes and socks off and earthing my feet on the ground. So if you haven't heard that before, it's yeah, literally about being barefoot on the grass or on the dirt and connecting into the earth's energy. Um, And that is extremely grounding and refreshing and it's sort of like I'm, that's my way of disconnecting um, from the day. And sometimes I might say to myself or do a little affirmation of lovingly disconnecting from all my clients, all interactions, all attachments from the day and just allowing myself to release that into the ground um, and you know, then walking, when I walk into the door to my, my husband or my friends or wherever I'm going, I've left that behind. And so I'm much more present than what I used to be.
0: Yeah. Cause I'll tell you what doesn't do the trick is a bottle of wine and real housewives. <laughs> it, it is not. It doesn't
1: or it does, Cause that sounds pretty
0: good. <laughs> I think in moderation, not meant yeah, as but... an everyday, um, coping mechanism
1: yeah <laughs> uh, and then, like that's been the transformation, right? It's like whatever works, whatever works for you and genuinely you feel good from doing that, that's a tool. You know, and I feel like it's if you're if you have if you have um, tools or rituals or habits that um, are, are more so damaging or they're you know just sort of suppressing things, then maybe that's not so great for the long run. Like I used to have some really shitty habits. I do the same. Like go and get trashed on the weekend and just, you know, drink it away and try to forget about everything. And you know, um, there was even a time, if I'm being extremely honest and vulnerable, when I was finding it really hard to sleep um, after work and and wind down. And um, it's like a a children's antihistamine that we have here that will make you so it would knock you out essentially Mm -hmm. and so at probably my my darkest point or my hardest point when I was going through all this burnout I would just have a packet of those around and you know take one of those a night and it would knock me out and that was the only way I could get to sleep and so you know like that's essentially a pretty crappy way to deal with it um or unhealthy tool and you know fast forward to now, there are so many beautiful tools that are great for me. And I feel good about them rather than, you know, having these damaging, um, coping mechanisms.
0: Yeah. And do you think that a big part of that was like deciding to like, like you said, like believing that you were worth it enough to invest the time in learning those kind of coping mechanisms? Cause I, I don't even think that I thought about myself. So it's like, let's just get her knocked out and let's get up and let's do it again.
1: Yeah. 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 That, and that thing, like not thinking about, Oh, I actually, yeah, there was that time where I was so focused on giving to everyone mm-hmm. um, in my working day, my team, um, who were also very supportive, but just giving all my energy out that I just didn't even consider, Oh, I actually need to refill my bucket or how am I doing right now? Um, and obviously that would lead me to burning out. So yeah, the time I started realizing, Oh, Hey, I'm a person too. I need something. I need something going on. Um, going through that self-worth awakening or that self-love awakening when you realize, yeah, it's about time that I start giving some of this beautiful love, um, you know, back uh, to myself, um, that's when, yeah, that's when it it started. I started looking at what I can do to make life a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, and something that's helped me is realizing that no one knows what it's costing you to show up the way you're showing up. Like, I, no no Mm -hmm. one was like, oh, I want her to have no energy. It's like, I can't assume that people know how much it takes for me to give at the level I was giving because everyone was used to it. So without having any self-awareness around what it was actually costing me. I I felt like I now have so much compassion for myself and so much compassion for the people I was showing up for because it's not their fault they didn't know how much me showing up was costing me.
1: Exactly. And um I am a believer in, you know, we, we do set the boundaries for how we're treated and how we're met and, you know, in terms of clients, I would go there. I would go there with what's going on in your life and you know, allow those conversations to keep rolling. Um, and so, you know, I was definitely responsible for that more so than these clients because you allow that kind of conversation to happen or you extend your hand and so people, if they need it they'll and they feel comfortable, they'll take it. Um, so part of that creating boundaries is also um, focusing, like one of the tools, just going back, was talking about hair and really focusing On hair and if the conversation starts to get into life I can really be in control and choose to stay professional and you know loving or if I feel like going there I can go there and so you know these days more often than not I'm choosing that when I'm at work to to be professional and have fun doing my work rather than constantly extending my hand um, when it might not be the right time or place or I might not have the energy but learning that that was that is okay, yes, um, was tricky.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think like I'll share something that I haven't shared before is when I opened my studio, I was going through a lot of stuff personally, and I just kind of out of necessity, out of just different different reasons, I decided to not talk about myself for probably a whole year, aside from things that were going on in the studio, and I yeah. can say without. Any kind of like I can say that it didn't negatively impact my business at all. People still loved coming in and people still loved seeing me and I don't think that there was really like I don't think people felt any different, and I think that that is a huge takeaway from my journey of yeah. I don't need to share as much and I can still you know do an amazing service, really be someone that they bounce ideas off of but that was huge for me. And like, I haven't said that. And when you were saying that, I was like, you know, I just, it was almost like a, in hindsight, it was like a case study. I was doing it for myself or for other reasons. But in hindsight, looking back, I've started to share more now, but it's, it's interesting because I didn't feel like anything changed with, with my interactions in a negative way because I shared less. Yes. Okay. So that's really cool. Like what you're saying about. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And like the fact that you're you're saying like that, just even the thought of like putting your hand out, it just gives people like a visualization of like, I think I'm going to keep my hands in my pockets, but still be really here for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And did, when you said before um, you didn't lose anything or um, before you started to hold back your, you know, sharing your personal, did you think that, oh, I might not be as good as a hairdresser, or I might not gain as much clientele, or I might not be as um, interesting to people? Like, did you have that thought in your mind that if you hold back, there might be something that you do lose?
0: I don't think I had the self-awareness back then to, to even have that thought. It was more just like out of necessity, like I'm working through some stuff, so I'm not going to go there. And in doing that, I was able to see that it had no negative implications on, on, on how people responded to me and how connected they felt to me. And so that was, I think it was kind of just more of like a, Oh, like, I think I got (laughs) down the road and I was like, well, what the hell have I been doing this whole time? Yeah. just pouring your heart out. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I love the idea that that's not for everyone and not everyone gets to hear your story and your story is your story. And I, I love that, you know, like what you do at home and what you do at work, how it it is intermingled, but that doesn't mean that you have to bring all of that wherever you go. And I'm just like a real believer in that now because it's been cleaner. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's, it, And, again, I don't think every hairdresser feels this way, but I've I've worked with many who feel the same where it's like because we're behind the mirror and we're behind the chair, we we are on show in that salon space all the time that we owe it to people. It's almost like, okay, you're coming for a haircut and you get to know everything about me.
0: Yeah. Um, What's that about? No, where did that
1: begin? It's part of like, you know, I remember always feeling this pressure to entertain there was just so much I had to offer, like hair and entertainment and insight into my life and what I've been doing and insight into your life. And, um, you know, that was that says more about me, I think, than the industry because that's just where I was at at that time in my life, going, oh, I thought that I had to offer everybody so much. Um, and like you were saying before, when you actually create those boundaries and you, you do hold some of that for yourself, yeah, people still... Will love you or be drawn to you or feel, you know, that they're receiving what they need to. It is it is a nice realization.
0: Yeah. It's, so it's just,
1: they're just listening. It's okay. You can do your job well. Yeah.
0: And my friend who is my acupuncturist who's been on the show, she says that listening to people is such a huge gift in itself. Mm. And I'm like, that's nice to hear. Like, it really is. Cause And even just like being in someone's space that you like feel good in. It's like that has so much value.
1: Mm, Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, Less is more. I'm learning that as time goes on.
0: Yeah, I think that one thing that I was thinking of when you were talking is the entertaining thing. I think that I was uncomfortable with a pause. Like I think I, I was uncomfortable with there being any form of pause in the conversation. So I would like insert some show, but I was always myself. So I don't want to make it like I wasn't myself, but, yeah. um, but like, I think that I'm a lot more comfortable with just space between talking.
1: Mm. I think that that is a, a really powerful tool for hairdressers is to be okay with- working in silence, to be okay with the pause, to be okay um, not having to fill the space if someone is, you know, enjoying having their eyes closed and not talking, like it's okay to just continue with the process and be okay in that silence and be comfortable in that silence.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if just getting to know myself, getting more confident in myself allowed me to be okay to like just stand in a moment without filling it. And not mm-hmm. even like, like, like as far as like, if someone's eyes are closed, like I pick up on social cues, it's more like just feeling like the like the show has started like, and not, and just now just being like able to feel things out more and just allow myself to like fall back a little bit has been like yep. a huge, uh, I don't know. I think it sets the tone more with people. They you're not, you know, just that they're you're okay with their being, I just think it radiates confidence. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I do agree. I agree with that. How, how, so, you know, this is something that you've learned with time and I'm beginning to learn more and more as time goes on. And the question that sort of floats around is how do we share that with, um, younger stylists and up and coming stylists, you know, how do we save them some grief and implement these kind of this kind of awareness right from the beginning so I feel like that's where it all begins and definitely it's what I was lacking in my training is these little um, inside tips you know that can save save a bit of heartache
0: yeah I feel like it's kind of something like Elizabeth Faye says on her episode that came out today where she talks about like maybe you need to go to a self-love retreat. Like, I feel like they're like, that is the thing that like loving myself and being with myself has made me be able to do that. Mm. So it's like, maybe like, I mean, like let's, we not let's not get us started on hair school and all the things that need to happen there. But it's like, can there be a module <laughs> on loving yourself? I mean, is that the yes. craziest thing you've ever heard? I, I don't think it is.
1: No, I don't think it is. I am like shooting my hands up in the air because I'm so excited and that is the vision that I would hope for and, you know, and, and calling into fruition for the hair industry. It's like there is that gap from the beginning of, you know, there's room. I just think that there's room for a module that does touch on boundaries, self-care 101, self-love, self-respect, um, you know, even little areas like if we are getting told people's life stories, how do we cope? How do we deal with that? How do we shake it off? How do we um, comfort someone without getting too far into it? You know, we we, we see people at so many vulnerable moments of their life, um, you know, breakups, before funerals people come and see us, before birth, um, you know, I've had people crying in my my chair so many times, not because I've made them cry, but <laughs> there's something going on in their life. And um, I've probably made a few people cry with some really short fringes, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, how how do we cope with that? What are a few sentences we can have up our sleeve? I definitely feel that there's a gap and, there, well, there's room for that evolution in our industry to make, you know, inspire a new era of more conscious hairdressers or more equipped hairdressers. We're, we're, we're such a... Um, important part of people's communities and people's lives and to you know have more um, armory or more tools in our tool belt just make supercharges us
0: yeah because I feel like people are willing to work hard and I think that that's not changing in the industry it's like why are so many of us 12 years in 14 years in just going like who am I like I'd love for (laughs) there to be like you said, just like tools. And it's like a way of like starting off on a different foot so that you're not later pulling, pulling like yourself behind you going like, why am I dragging? I think that there Mm -hmm. would be, there is an opportunity for, for people to not get like punched in the face with their lives 14 years in. And for some people that's what it takes. And that's That's my journey. Like that's the road I'm on. Like wouldn't change a thing, but but I think that when you know better, you do better. And if we know that, that that this is something that hairstylists really struggle with, like what an opportunity to throw them a bone kind of from the get-go. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's, uh, it's, there seems to be a lot of that happening over in the U.S. Like I've, you know, found some amazing hairstylists like yourself that are doing some really innovative things. Um, and it's so cool seeing that there is a community of, you know, conscious hairdressers that are, um, extending some of those tools or starting to create these retreats. Um, I've loved seeing that. It's amazing. Very inspiring.
0: Yeah. I mean, have, have you had one over in Australia yet? Uh, a retreat? Yeah. Like, have you heard of one even?
1: I haven't. No, I haven't heard of one that's, um, about, you know, self-care or self-love or that. There, there's definitely, um, a lot of amazing workshops that might touch on, you know, body posture or burnout or working smarter, not harder, things like that. Um, But as far as I've researched, um, there isn't. And it's definitely something that I would love to
0: to bring. That's so cool. If you were going to leave hairstyles with, like, one ritual or thing that they could start doing to kind of prioritize themselves or to like get right with their thoughts or start kind of down a road of more sustainable salon work. What would you leave them with? One thing. <laughs> yeah, one, one that you just feel very passionate about. Mm, okay. It's going to be
1: tricky to choose one thing. I feel like a really beautiful and important place to start is sitting down with yourself and actually asking yourself, how are you coping with your workload and what are your needs? You know, we mentioned that before, but really understanding if you're someone who's not a morning person so you need some kind of way to pump up the jam in the morning. If you're someone who... Um, can't deal emotionally with, you know, everybody's stories. How can you better that? If you if you're starting at that space of self reflection and self responsibility, um, you will you will see the gaps and you'll be able to find the tools. Um, and it's really about whatever works for you. Um, yeah, it, it's knowing that you might need a tool. Having that awareness is step one, I feel like, and step two is seeking it, trying it, and actually putting it into practice. Um, one other important one for me is definitely clearing yourself after a day's work. That that small tip of um, grounding your feet, the tool of grounding your feet and lovingly disconnecting from all the energy and all the interactions of your clients, um, it goes a long way. So if I had to pick just a couple, you said one. but Mm -hmm. No, that's great. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of things. I use um, crystals to help clear. um, You know, meditation is a big one. Trying to keep myself stretched, flexible, strong. You know, there's a lot of things. Um, Yeah, I just think understanding what your needs are and how 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 are you dealing, how are you coping is a really good place to start.
0: I love that. And where can people find you if they want to follow along all the way from the U S or wherever they're listening? I
1: am on uh, Instagram. You can find me on Instagram and it's um, at Michelle Malia underscore. And that's where I'm at for the moment. And I'm planning on expanding and finding some other ways to get the message out there. Um, i
0: just taking it one step at a time. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much with everyone today
1: uh it's it's been so much fun and i'm just so excited about all of this i could keep talking to you for days but i appreciate this opportunity and um yeah it's been great to hear your your side of everything as
0: well. awesome thank you